0: You're listening
1: to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello, all. Welcome to a special episode of Armchair Cricket, where we will be reviewing the World Cup so far with the Cricketers New Zealand. Right. If you remember, they had once already done an episode with us. We had reviewed the New Zealand team with them. So in this case, they're back to help us review how the World Cup is progressing from New Zealand other team perspective. So I would like to welcome Adam from the Cricketers New Zealand onto the podcast. Hello, Adam.
0: Hello, Ajit. Uh, great to be joining you on uh, on the on the episode of your podcast.
1: Thanks a lot. So it's always a pleasure hosting you guys. And uh, you bring a very unique uh, Kiwi perspective. And uh, also not only that, so it's always nice to have you guys. So let's get into it. Um, we are recording this just before the match of uh, Pakistan versus South Africa. So I think we had a couple of very memorable matches yesterday. So let's start off with the last one, New Zealand versus West Indies. Did you catch this, Adam?
0: I did. It was an incredible match. I mean, New Zealand lost some, some early wickets and, and were in all sorts of trouble. Um, the opening partnership didn't contribute too many runs uh, yesterday, uh, but then again, people uh, Taylor and, and Williamson, you know, New Zealand's two premier one-day batsmen put a, a great partnership together and, and got us out of, out of trouble. When Williamson played a fantastic innings of 148, just showing his class, the second hundred in consecutive matches. And that middle order is so important for this New Zealand side. I mean, I think we've got two of the, the, the best batsmen in one-day cricket at, man, at manipulating and managing the middle stages of, of a one-day international. They're both guys that know their games well, they're experienced. And they just know how to adapt to different situations and conditions. And I think it really showed yesterday. And then later in the innings, uh, once uh, once uh, Williamson was was out, then Nisham, Home, and Santner uh, ended up finishing off the innings really well. Um, some, some vital sixes um,
1: in the final wash-up. Indeed. Well, I mean, coming back to the second half of the innings, what a heartbreak, man. I mean, Gail kept it together, but, uh, you know, later on, uh, he had Hetmyer supporting him, but once they were gone, well, I I I was under the impression, you know, New Zealand were going to win this match by I don't know, 50 60 runs easily, mm-hmm. right? But uh, real real uh, good innings from uh, Brathwaite. He was really unlucky to be out. Uh, well, caught within like half a meter of the boundary by Trent Polt. Did you see that?
0: I did. Well, it was a it was a very good catch under
1: pressure. It, it was an, quite an interesting
0: innings from the West Indies I mean, they they lost a couple of early wickets. They lost. Hope and Puran really early on.
1: Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm.
0: Hetmeyer and Gale got them right back in the match. At one stage, you're going, what, six, seven and over. And I was thinking, oh, West Indies have got this. All they need to do is knock it around and, and, and they should be fine and, and uh, you know, take it deep. But in the end, uh, Hetmeyer was out to a, a great slow ball by Lockie Ferguson at a really vital time. And then Chris Gale uh, went, went for the big shot, got caught on the boundary. Holder was then knocked out. And then from there, they just list uh, regular wickets. And, yeah, it was a fantastic innings by Carlos mean We've seen him perform well in 2020 cricket before. We remember, you know, a few years ago when he had been stokes for four sixes and one over. Uh, But he hasn't really been able to establish himself in one-day cricket um, for the West Indies. And and yesterday, he really showed that he's got the talent to succeed at
1: the international level in the one-day game. Indeed, indeed. I mean, he showed the patience to actually play out enough overs with the tailenders, enders, uh, especially, you know, Roach and Cottrell. And even in the end, Ocean Thomas kept him company for almost like half an hour. And, you know, it was a matter of one shot. And uh, my God, he had hit that. Uh, if it was not the biggest part of the ground, probably that was a clear six, right? He was a bit unlucky there as well. But well, it went down that way. And also, it was nice to see, you know, at the end, I think Ross Taylor and a couple of Kiwi players commiserate with him. He was still, you know, on his haunches in the pitch. And it was nice. That picture was very nice.
0: I, in terms of the, the West Indies, like, um, I, I was having a discussion with someone today about, about the runnings. And like that was so ahead of the game. All they really needed to do was, you know, knock it around for ones and twos. Um, at, at one point, I mean, I think they were, what, 130 for, for two and, and about the 22nd over. And most teams in world cricket, you, you think, will just consolidate, knock it around, keep the scoreboard ticking over. I mean, they're well ahead of the run rate. But I think it just shows you, like, the limitations with the West Indian batting on it. They don't have another batsman outside Shea Hope that can really just knock it around. They've got all power hitters. And I think also mm-hmm. with Chris Dale and the way he plays, he's not a guy that's going to knock it around for ones and twos anymore. Obviously, he's got fitness concerns. And I think in the end of it, the limitations really shone through yesterday. Uh, think In terms of Carlos Braithwaite, he, 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 he played exceptionally good innings. New Zealand's been on the receiving end of some um, interesting and, and nearly match winning innings over the last couple of years. I, mean, I remember Marcus Stoinis against us, at Eden Park got 146 not out. Right. When Australia yeah, yeah. Trouble. Pereira did as well. So, you know, we're we've been into this situation before and we've actually won, we won those two matches and it was really pleasing to see Jimmy Neesham bowl well at the death. Uh, like his, his death bowling's was well, has been under scrutiny over the last few years um, in that game against Australia. He was plastered everywhere by Stornis but he really held his nerve and, and he bowled, you know, some great slow ball bumpers um, and he and he kept the pressure on and then obviously Braithwaite caught on the boundary. Just in regards to Braithwaite as well, uh, you know, one, one thing that went through my mind was he still had an over left. I mean, could he have knocked it around in the last ball, gone for a single, and then maybe tried to head out in the last over?
1: Well, I mean, who was going to bowl the last over was the question for me. So, would uh, Ken Williamson have gone to Matt Henry, given that he had given so many runs away? Or would Colin Grandhomme have bowled the over? I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here. It's just a possibility. But, um, yeah, it was going to be an interesting concept. What you say is also relevant. I think he saw his chance. He just saw that this was the shot that could finish the game off, right? Yeah. And for him, it was always going to be one shot to finish the game. Whether he took a single and then did it in the next over or in this over, it was, that's yeah. how it was going to be. But, you know, probably all these small things didn't really enter his head. Maybe when you play on the other side of the pitch, you are actually facing the shorter boundary and you have a good chance, you know. But, yeah, I mean, it was almost there, man. I mean, it, it was a real heartbreak for me, at least. And um, you know this is the second match where New Zealand got out of jam thanks to Mr Kane Williamson. How how does this guy play the way he does? You know we were looking at the other innings against South Africa. He had 72 dot balls in his hundred. I mean that's that's unbelievable. But that was what was required in that pitch, and he did.
0: Yeah. It, right? a- a- so My it God. Happened. Absolutely. I mentioned earlier that he's got the ability, like Ross Taylor, to adapt their games to different conditions and different situations. And you saw a different Kane Williamson yesterday against South Africa. He was really measured. He really absorbed a lot of pressure. He he batted a lot slower. His strike rate wasn't wasn't there. But he but he batted to the conditions. And 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 yesterday, again, he's Zealand off to 30 for 12 10 overs. He absorbed pressure early on, but then he started to play shots and he was going at a run of ball. Wasn't as <coughs> slow as before. He chance, and he hit hit some some. Some, some power shots as well. So he's just a guy that knows his game, and he's a, he's a class bats, batsman. Um, and, and I think, you know, we're just talking about the West Indies side. For all the talk about power hitting being so valuable in one-day cricket, you still need class batsmen to hold innings together. And I think that's what Ross
1: Taylor and Kane Williamson showed yesterday. Indeed. The only thing is, uh, at no point in the tournament have Ross Taylor and Kane Williamson uh, been asked to score very rapidly. Right. I mean, they've had the time to build an in innings and mostly roster can easily make it up. So can Williamson. Right. Yeah. But I wonder if how they would respond in a chase of 350, for example. Right. Where they're asked to keep hitting from, let's say, ball one or uh, probably their approach would not change much. But I wonder if that sort of a challenge would actually make it very difficult for them.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not really concerned with that because I think the pitches that New Zealand's played on the World Cup so far haven't been really betting friendly decks. Ironically enough, we in the first four matches, we won the toss and were able to bowl first, which which helped our, our seam bowlers. But the pitches that we've been batting, playing on haven't really been great batting decks. Uh, yeah. A couple of seasons ago, we played England, and we were two down. And Ross Taylor came out and, and played a blazing knock and got 181 not out and hit the ball to all parts. And I think on that occasion, we were chasing around 350. Well, sorry, 330. So, you know, our, our team's right. shown that we can do this before. Last time we were in England in 2015 when we played a series against England, we scored some big scores against England, and it was a really high-scoring series. Okay, and the Champions Trophy in 2017, it wasn't quite like that, but yeah, I'm, not, I'm not really concerned. I think as soon as we
1: can get on good batting decks, I think this batting lineup will fire. So, uh, you know, a couple of uh, points of concern, so to say. Uh, Guptill hasn't been really performing uh, to the best of his abilities, so that means the... Top, the rest of the top part is under pressure, and Colin Monroe hasn't really done much either, right? Any chance of Henry Nichols replacing Colin Monroe? Do you think? They seem to have a lot of faith in Colin Monroe, and,
0: and mm-hmm. one. I think they, they see Colin Monroe as being that, that McCullum kind of figure at the top of the order, the guy that gets on with the job, that gets things off to a bang, uh, along with Martin Guptill, and, and that allows Kane Williamson and Ross Taylor to get themselves in and establish. Him. And the problem is in the tournament so far. Apart from the match where New Zealand were chasing that title against Sri Lanka, uh, and Colin Munro and all fired, they haven't set the world on fire. And, and I think that's a, a massive concern for New Zealand. I, I don't think there's a massive concern regarding Guptill. I think Gupta will end up getting into form. He's, he's a class player. It's shown in the 2015 World Cup. He was out of form early on in that tournament. and He scored 100 against Bangladesh. And he scored, obviously, that 237 not out against. West Indies in the, in the quarterfinal, you know, one of the best innings you'll see in one-day cricket. Colin Rose is a big concern because it's not just this World Cup. It's been formed for the last couple of years. He's a makeshift opener at best. Before becoming an opener in the one-day arena for the Black Caps, he actually didn't bat in the opening position in they day cricket. So it's kind of like a new role for him. I don't think he's really cemented himself in the in the Black Caps one-day side.
1: Well, how about the middle order? Again, you know, Ross Taylor is doing his job, but, you know, Tom Latham doesn't really fire. And Jimmy Nisham, uh, I think he's done his bit. And Colin de DeGrandholm adds a bit of power there, right? And he showed it really also in the game against South Africa. But is that a concern at all? Or are we uh, feeling okay about the New Zealand middle order? Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. Like, at the moment, we're undefeated after, after six matches including the, the washout against India. And there's always room for improvement. You know, Ross Taylor and Kay Williamson can't perform every every day. And at some point, one of the other batsmen will have to step up. And we think we've got to remember that Tom Latham came into the World Cup under an injury cloud. Um, so he didn't get a lot of batting before the World Cup. Um, I'm sure that he'll he'll get some form soon. Uh, right. Colt have grown home batted extremely well against South Africa. She had an all round great game against South Africa, picked up wickets and also scored that valuable 70 runs at, at the end. Um, Jimmy Nishin, you're right, he's played some, some crucial little innings. He hasn't had an opportunity to have a really long bat, but he's just played some, some crucial little cameos. Uh, Mitchell Satner as well, played a good little knock against Bangladesh. So, uh, you know, and I think for us, it's just going to be our openers that are going to have to do the job at some point. Um mm-hmm. Hopefully right. it'll a game, it will be a game because it will be against a pretty good Pakistan attack.
1: Indeed. Well, I mean, we sort of look at uh, New Zealand. I think the bowling is really doing okay. Matt Henry was pasted a bit all over the ground. Um, are there any concerns that if, like what happened yesterday, like one specific bowler or one specific batter getting stuck and, you know, has this big hitting capability and he would block or hit something like this, right? Because he's batting with the tail. Uh, that there's not enough variety in the slower bowling in the spin department is that a concern at all uh,
0: look like Mitchell Santner has proven that he's a very tight and economical bowler in one day cricket he's not the biggest pocket taking bowler around he's not cooler Yadav. he's he's not a adil rashid He's not going to get big bags of wickets, but he can keep the pressure on. I mean, we've been down this road before, as I said, with Stornis and Pereira. I mean, sometimes you've just got to give kudos to the batsman. And in this case, Carlos Breithwaite just played a fantastic innings. Mean, the, the bowl has yeah. been well in Ferguson. is a second-top wicket-taker in the World Cup. Uh, Trent Bolt found some form yesterday getting four-wicket bag. But look, as, as we know on cricket, every everybody has a bad day at some point. you know. And, and, and yesterday, unfortunately, it was Matt Henry. Uh, Henry his bowled well in the tournament up to date. Uh, it, was a, it was a good batting deck. Chris Gall got to him a little bit. Uh, the thing with Matt Henry as well, I will say, is he did look a little bit flustered once Gall got hold of him. And even effective at his all-round game, look, he dropped that catch on the boundary as well. Off the right. So there'd that, that, be a bit of a concern, his ability to handle pressure. But look... Uh, I think so far the bowling unit's done really well. It'll be interesting to see how this bowling unit does on a really flat decks. For me, that's the big question mark. In the first four matches, as I pointed out earlier, we actually got um, some, some wickets that really suited our scene bowlers. Uh, but how would they go, say, on a, on a real flat deck like a, a Trent Bridge, for example?
1: Indeed. So uh, I think that was a very decent discussion about New Zealand as they've performed the World Cup so far. But how about looking further? So, how do you think New Zealand will fare going further in the World Cup? Do they have the capacity to go all the way? Do you think?
0: Well, I think they're in a bunch of teams that have got a great chance to win the World Cup. I mean, at this point in time, as we talk, it looks like the Black Caps will make the semi-finals. However, they still have to win the last three games to ensure that they do make the semi-finals. I've got Pakistan next, and then they have got Australia and England. I think we'll get a, a better assessment about where this Black Caps side is after we play against Australia and England. Unfortunately, the game against India was a washout, uh, so we, we didn't get a chance to see the Black Caps
1: against mm.
0: arguably the best team in the tournament. The Black Caps did get beaten 4 1 at home by India, so we know how good India is. Uh, but, but I think this, this Black Caps side at the moment is playing with a lot of confidence, and they seem like they've got their combinations right. But yeah, look, de- de- definitely. But um, you know, once you get to a semi final, it's, it's, it's a one off game. I mean, you can go through the tournament around Robin stage, undefeated, yet you play one knockout game and you're out. You know, so, you know, I think I think it just depends on, on which team uh, tunes up on, on the day. Mm-hmm.
1: I think you appeared a bit uh, pessimistic uh, in the preview when you said New Zealand might not make it, but it, it all points to the fact that I think New Zealand will be one of the teams in the semifinals and also might go into the finals. So I really hope, you know, they go ahead and crack this and maybe, you know, this might be the tournament they make it.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess the concern for New Zealand so far is that, uh, you know, we've had three real tight games, one against Bangladesh, South Africa and the West Indies. So the margin between our worst performance and our best performance is, 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 is really small. Uh, you look at teams like England and India, uh, they seem to be able to really perform uh, exceptionally well on, on occasions. But, you know, look, look, England got beaten by Sri Lanka, which was unexpected. And then India, you know, nearly got tipped up by Afghanistan. You know, so, you know, I mean, who knows? I mean, ma- maybe the, the close matches will, will make us match hard going into the semifinals.
1: Indeed. So now if you were to look at the other teams who are on forms, let's say, let's start with India because we already brought it up. So India nearly got tipped over by Afghanistan. It was a really, really tight contest. Were you able to follow this? I, I didn't watch it. Uh,
0: I did look on Crick Info, and, and I was you know, surprised that Afghanistan got so close, nearly tipping over India. It's funny with cricket, you know, Afghanistan were absolutely mauled by England, you know, a few days ago. Yeah, they come out and they play exceptionally well against a great Indian side. And it just shows you, I guess, the fortitude and also the character in the Afghanistan side. To be under that much pressure against England, you come out against India and really perform well, so it was great time for Afghanistan, you know, and, and they've had a pretty cool World Cup so far, so they played ex- exceptionally well. In terms of the mm. Indian side, uh, Indian look, you just sometimes teams just have one of those days when things just don't quite click. Uh, so I wouldn't be concerned from Indian perspective. I mean, Bumrah bowled well in the death. Shami got a hat trick, um, so that was a, a plus for them. And their bowlers all perform well. Uh, I think Virat Kohli so far has had a, relatively quiet tournament he hasn't got a 100 mm, yet mm. so from an Indian perspective I mean look you have to be excited on the prospect that he's got at some point should hit form
1: yeah you're probably right and you know there was a bit of a concern there and you know India were going to have one bad day for sure they were going to have one bad day right so with that in mind I think it's good that they had this one bad day or this sort of a warning sort of a match earlier on and probably they can now make it more competitive and make sure they iron out all these stupid errors that crept into the game yesterday. It was a more sticky pitch than most people assumed, I guess, because Afghanistan did well and they had four spinners that they could use. And that brought out, I think, the stickiness of the pitch got really exacerbated when they did that. Because even people like Dhoni struggled yesterday. Jada struggled. Everybody, Rahul struggled. Rohit Sharma was out very early. So when you look at all that... It's very clear that, you know, it was a sticky pitch and, of course, India had had some good spinners, so they were able to push it through and nearly not um, give it away. And, of course, the hat-trick at the end by Shami was really, really impressive. So, he wrapped it up very, very cleverly. So, um, I think uh, going on with the form, I think India is still one of the form teams and the teams to beat. How about England, do you think, Adam?
0: Wow, yeah. I mean, you know, England's a funny side at the moment, aren't they? You know, like, they, they, they... They thump South Africa in, the, in their first match. They lose to hmm. Pakistan. Then, you know, they they. Uh, of the next match that they play, they hammer the West Indies. Uh, yeah. Then suddenly against Sri Lanka, they get tipped up. I still think hmm. they're one of the top teams. I, I I I don't think they should be concerned about losing to Sri Lanka at all. I think they'll bounce back. I think it's a. I think they're really missing Jason Roy at the moment. Uh, you know, Jason Roy's one of the reformed batsmen in, in World One Day Cricket, and I think they're really missing the services. No no disrespect right. to James Vince. I yeah, think yeah. Uh, the loss of Roy has been a, a massive blow to them. Johnny Best, though, he's had a relatively quiet World Cup. I, I was predicting he was going to be one of the stars of the World Cup, but you know, so far he's averaging about 40 with the bat, which isn't bad. But to uh, mm. he, take out his performance against Afghanistan, he hasn't really performed the way I, I thought he would. Uh, has any of those dynamic innings. And even against Afghanistan, he was pretty measured, wasn't he? I mean, going right. like a run a ball, you know, usually he's you know, 100 off 70 and really dominating mm. um, attacks. Uh, Joss Butler a little bit as well, even though he's got 100. Uh, but, yeah, if I was England, I wouldn't be cons- I wouldn't be too concerned. I mean, um, as we've pointed out, you know, teams sometimes have bad days. Um, right. It happened to, to England and, and every team has a good day in Sri Lanka did, and it was great to see Malinga bowling well again. That that young kid, Fernando, is an exciting player. Mm. And those Mm. things happen in cricket, I I think from England's perspective, they've just got to put that game aside, uh, not think about it, take out the positives, look at the things they need to improve and just move on. Uh, But I still expect England to be a real threat in the latest parts of the World Cup.
1: Indeed. Well, let me point out something. You know, they have three games coming up, one against New Zealand, one against India and one against Australia. Right. Let me just say these are the three other form teams in the tournament. And, you know, there is a banana peel possibility. I mean, I'm going to just lay it out. What if they were to not win even a single one of these games and Pakistan goes through and win all four of them, for example, of their games? How about that? Then is there a chance England might even miss out? So that would mean that England would be what
0: four and five? Is that correct?
1: Yeah, exactly. They have four now, and they would stay there.
0: So based on that, the West Indies would still have a shot, wouldn't they, and South Africa?
1: Indeed.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, that's an outside an outside possibility. It'd, it'd make the end of the World Cup really exciting if England lost their last three games. Look, I think England's good enough to at least, to win at least one of those games. You think at some right. point they would strike form? And also, New Zealand's undefeated. Um, Australia has only lost the one game.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: And based on the law of averages, you, you you think that England can win one of those games? But you know, look, if they if they don't, well, I mean, what, what an exciting end to the World Cup! Incredible. Imagine the imagine the imagine the West Indies, Pakistan, maybe Sri Lanka all being on the same points as England.
1: Yeah, and Netrunner coming footage. into it. So, I mean, just a possibility, I really don't see that coming through as well. Frankly speaking, I think England will probably beat one of India or New Zealand. And this Australia game can go either way. Because, uh, you know, with England and Australia, it can never be a simple affair. So, who knows? But let's see. I mean, uh, India will want to continue to win. They'll want to go as close to unbeaten a, a run as possible into the semi-finals and probably take it from there, right? Yeah. Uh, how about Australia then? Yeah, Australia.
0: O- o- they have been exceptional in the World Cup so far. I mean, David Warner and Finch have been on, on form. You know, David Warner got um, a little bit of criticism for, for batting slowly early on in the in the tournament, but mm. look how well he's he batted against Bangladesh. Uh, batted yes, extremely well. Actually, stayed up and watched that innings. It was an, an incredible innings uh, by David Warner. Uh, smashed it all around the place. At one point, I was actually thinking he was going to go on and get a double century, and then Saka bowled that that slow bouncer, and he was caught right. at. At short third man, uh, but yeah, mm. that was an incredible innings. Um, Kawaja as well batted extremely well, and then Glenn Maxwell came out and played a little blinder. So yeah, Australia Australia played really well so far. And you think about that first game against the the West Indies when they when they're in all sorts of trouble. Joshy uh, y- Thomas got them on the back foot, and they just, and they, and they were able to recover. Cool to Nile played that incredible innings, uh, and then, mm. then from there Australia's got a lot of momentum. Mitchell Stark. Again, proving he's one of the best one-day bowlers in the world on top of the wicket's tally with 15 wickets along with Jofra Archer. For me, the, the concern with Australia is their support cast outside Stark and Cummins. For me, that's a massive concern for them. It's that, that first change, seamer, And that's where I think they mm-hmm. really need someone like George Hazelwood or a Jai Richardson. I'm not really convinced about their spinners at the moment. I think Stoinis is a bit loose with his bowling. Batsman could really get after him. Um, cool Nile, you know he, he's, he's okay but you know he's, he's still not picking up bags of wickets there's always Cummins and Stark and I think if teams can see off Cummins and Stark they can then attack the other bowlers and I think that's what Anir did against Australia you noticed that no mm, and mm. Gama really just saw off those two and then really started getting yeah. out the court and Stornis and then at the end when when Stark and Cummins came back they were trying to, mm. to get established batsmen out and it put them under pressure and that's when they started going for runs because they, they were trying to get that work at taking delivery. And, and, and I think for, for a lot of teams, that's going to be the key is seeing off Stark and Cummins.
1: You're absolutely right. I mean, their support cast of bowling looks a bit suspect. The spinner, Adam Zampa, has really not done a whole lot as well. And Glenn Maxwell has had an occasional good game because he's able to also deliver six to eight overs with the ball. But, you know, Stoinis or Glenn Maxwell, one of these two, their fourth and fifth bowlers can be really a problem for them. That's right. But, I mean, they have also won, let's say, five of their games only, losing to India. And they need only one win from here. So, I somehow tip Australia to make the semifinals. And once they're in the knockouts, it's a different Australian team always, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, they've got a a fantastic history in one-day cricket, don't they? Especially at World Cups. You know, Mm, they've mm. made so many finals and and, and won the tournament on, on, on many occasions. I mean, when you look at this Australian side, though, I wouldn't put it up there with one of the great Australian sides either. Um, which kind of says something for me. Um, I mean, even though they've got some class players, there's still a few chunks in their armour I think that teams can get to. Uh, the, the thing that's right. positive for Australia is it been the top order.
1: Indeed. Their top four are really solid, and um, yeah, I think they might get them out of trouble many times, but... I'm also curious against a properly solid bowling attack like in England or in India. India, they did come up a little short. So against England in of the upcoming games, for example, it will be an interesting also, uh, you know, uh, experiment for them to see if, you know, they can probably solidify it a bit more, but if England bat first and they get to around 330, 350, it's going to be a really good match, I think, because they'll also get to test themselves and see how how far they can stretch themselves. And maybe the middle order gets to, I don't know, chase 160 or 60 balls. Uh, it'll be an interesting challenge for the Australian team, I think. Right? Absolutely. But uh, now, if you were to just finish off and look at the scenarios for the semifinals, you know, uh, there has been an interesting uh, article in Crickinfo. I don't know if you saw it. There are some interesting uh, semifinal scenarios. But one of those we already discussed. If England were to not win another game or just win one of those games, they would be neck and neck with many teams. So outside of... India, New Zealand, England, Australia. Do you see any possibility of any other team make the semi-final at all?
0: Well, it all, I mean, it all depends on whether those four teams that you mentioned lose matches mm. in, the, in the remaining rounds. So Pakistan's on three points, are they? West Indies are on three points. So they'd have to right. win their last three games. So that would take them mm. to what to the to eleven. Uh, if yeah. Sri Lanka won their last three games, they would get to 12. Yeah. But then it, re- it also relies on other results. So, I mean, look at New Zealand, for example. Like, we're on 11 points with three matches to go. If we were to lose to Pakistan, England, and Australia, then we would mm. be on 11 points. But I think the advantage for New Zealand is, is our run rate. Our net run rate at the moment is very, very good. And it just kind of shows mm. you how well mm. that match was against the West Indies yesterday, and also against South Africa, if we would have lost one of those matches, then we right. would have been under a little bit more pressure uh, with teams mm-hmm. under us still mm-hmm. having a chance to, to win, and then the West Indies would have been on five points. So, you know, it just shows you the matter of metres between winning a match and losing a match, isn't it? I mean, the, you're right, their Braithwaite hits a six, the West Indies win the game, and they're still in the tournament. Uh, right. So I think yeah, it's probably at the moment, when you when you realistically look at it, you would say that the top four is, is, is sealed. I mean, I think from, from memory, Sri Lanka's got final three matches is actually quite tough. Um, So I wouldn't expect them to win all three games. But I think Pakistan is probably the only side that could mount a bit of a challenge at the top four, but they've got to win all four games and, and hope that one of the teams in the top four loses the odd game.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. I don't see a possibility of an upset. It's going to be those four. And from here, uh, if I were to put you on the spot, who will win the tournament, Adam? Actually, I'll just, I'll just also make a note. Bangladesh are on five
0: points. So let's not write off Bangladesh. I think, uh, you know, they could win the last three. Um,
1: mm, mm, mm. All right. So... Let's see if one of those four teams, you know, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, West Indies, and Pakistan, can still throw their hat into the semifinals. But if it all goes to plan, if the other four teams—India, uh, Australia, New Zealand, and England—sort of seal the semi-final spots, whom do you think will win the tournament?
0: To, to be honest, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not 100% sure. I think it all depends on, on pitch conditions, who wins the toss, uh, lots of different things. I think, like looking at the Indian side, for example, you, you think that. The, the best equipped team to win the tournament, and just about every condition. You think about the bowling mm. lineup. They've right. got two exceptional opening bowlers, two great spinners, and, and and a very incredible death bowler in Boomer. So you you think that they would be the team that could that would probably win it. If I was gonna if I was gonna pick a favorite, I, I think for right. India though uh, they've lost Darwin, and he's a massive loss. He's one of the best one day batsmen in, in the world. Um, mm, in the mm. opposition, position. So I think they're going to really miss him. So I, I do expect Coley to hit form at some point. Like he's, He has made some good scores. I mean, he scored some runs yesterday against Afghanistan, but he hasn't really stamped his mark on the tournament yet. And, and I think that uh, with three matches remaining in the round robin and also the semifinals, I think it's a big chance for, for to Coley to really lead this Indian side. So if I was going to pick a winner from here, I'd probably say India. I think I think New Zealand's got a great chance uh, as, mm. as well, but I guess it all depends on on the day. You know, I think any one of these teams can beat each other. I know that's sitting on the fence a little bit. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it all come. it for me. It all comes down to that. I mean, are the are the pitches going to be batting friendly come semi final time? Will there be rain around? Um, will it all be seaming? You know, if New mm. Zealand were to get say. India, and, and they and they get a green pitch and they send India in, you know, great chance for us to knock over the Indian top order and, and rip in and, and,
1: and, and win the match against India, you know. I think it just depends on, on many different factors. All right. Well, uh, for our sakes, let's really hope it's going to be an India-New Zealand final and where the best team win, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely, you know, and New Zealand's been in the semi-final for so many occasions. In 2015, we made our first World Cup final, which was awesome. You know, hopefully this time around the pressure won't get to our lads. You know, we, we were, we've been in semifinals for, for so many years and, and, and just happened to lose the big games. But I think this mm-hmm. Black Caps side at the moment is playing with a, a lot of confidence. You know, we've had three right. extremely post games in the tournament. That may have made us a little bit more match-hardened. The other thing as well with, that, with the Black Caps side as well is we didn't play a lot of lead-up games coming into the World Cup. So a lot of our boys might be a little bit more fresh than some of the other teams. Uh, also, a lot of our players didn't play a lot of IPL. Uh, they play the odd game here and there. You know, they weren't the stars of the IPL playing every single match. So, again, our guys could be just a little more fresher. think that time away from cricket will have done some of our mm. boys some good. So, that's just another element. When you think about the England side, we played that one-day series against Pakistan before the tournament. You had Australia touring India and also going to the UAE to play Pakistan. So all those sides have played a lot of cricket leading into the World Cup. When New Zealand didn't play as many warm up games, I think we had a few games with us with our second eleven against Australia. I think it was in Darwin, I think, or Northern Territory from memory. So apart apart right from those matches and and the warm up matches against India and West Indies, we haven't really had a full on schedule. So. Yeah, you know, hopefully New Zealand can take it one step further and win the World Cup this time.
1: All right, Adam. Thanks a lot for your wonderful uh, insights and uh, also some very nice analysis that you've provided for the uh, teams in the World Cup. So uh, it has always been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Would you like to plug anything? Yeah, you, you can
0: uh, find um, our podcast uh, on iTunes. It's Cricket in NZ, or, you know, we're on Twitter and we follow you on Twitter. You follow me on Twitter, so you can find us through Twitter as well. A little bit sleep-deprived at the moment with all this cricket going on. Time zones aren't so good, but um, Mm. yeah, um, that's where you can find us on on Twitter or via iTunes.
1: All right. Thanks a lot, Adam. I hope you get a good night's sleep now. Uh, I'll not retain you for much longer. (laughs) Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. You're
0: listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.